KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In Depth. We got some very sobering, if not unexpected, unemployment numbers yesterday, Thursday, March 26th. And the numbers were astronomical. 3.3 million people filed for unemployment last week. Hadas Kuznets is a reporter at KYW, tried to dive a little deeper into what these numbers mean. Thanks for making the time for the podcast, Hadas. No problem, Tom. What kind of questions did you have going into this that, that you wanted to get answered? Well, the first thing I did was I spoke with... Diane Lim, and she's with the Wharton School of Business at University of Pennsylvania. And what I wanted to know from her was, how big exactly are these numbers? How big are we talking? And so she kind of put it into perspective. So she says, for the past year or so, the numbers have been pretty steady. When you're talking about the entire country, we're talking about 200,000 people filing first-time unemployment claims. And then last week, that number spiked, like you said, to 3.3 million. Now in Pennsylvania, the numbers were about, for the whole year, about 15,000. And that number jumped to like something about, something like 380 something thousand in the past week alone. She says this is just the beginning and they're just going to get worse. From talking to Dr. Lim, has anything, has something like this happened before? Is, Is this an unprecedented jump? It's absolutely unprecedented. And what is unprecedented about it, she says, is basically that we there's no economic indication that there's anything wrong with the economy. She says the economy had been uh, experiencing a, a slow recovery since to since 2008 and generally that's what happens when you have like an economic problem like the you know foreclosure issue the subprime mortgage issue that was an economic problem and then people didn't have money to spend well in our case this is a health problem which forced everybody to stop working even though there was still demand and still is demand. So it was very abrupt. She says in that way, like when you look at the graphs and the numbers, you've, there has no economist have, has ever seen uh, a chart that goes like that. And she also said though that as quickly as it hit, she predicts that we're going to go into a recession based on the numbers, but also she predicts that once this is all over, it will quickly go back to not normal, she says, but it will bounce back quicker than in previous recessions. All right. So before we get into what else Dr. Lim had to say, uh, in case people are wondering why you sound like you're on a cell phone for for your talk with her, could you break the fourth wall for us? How are, how are well, you still getting interviews with people while you're working from home? What we're doing and what I'm doing is asking people to record themselves on their own iPhones. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm talking to you on my husband's iPhone and I'm using my iPhone on an app that I use for editing in the field anyway. So it should sound uh, very similar to the way it always sounds. But um, uh, other people have like an app that's built into their phone that takes like voice memos. So I've been asking them to record themselves and then email me the the uh, sound file. And that's how I've been working from home. Uh, luckily, just before all of this hit, my husband and I just finished uh, setting up our office and um, I didn't expect to use it as much, but I'm glad that I'm glad to have it. So that's where I've been working from. 
Yeah, it's it's nice to have a place where you can try convince yourself that you're actually at work, even though you're in your living room or whatever it is. It's hard to remember that, though, when the kids are screaming downstairs. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> the last thing, a couple of times uh, you'll hear Dr. Lim talk about the numbers that came out today. You talked to her yesterday, Thursday, March 26th, so she's not wrong. We just ran out of time to turn into a podcast yesterday. <laughs> So, Thras, anything else before we get into it? Yeah, um, a couple things I do want to add that I found really interesting in my conversation with uh, with Diane Lim was that um, she said that we are living in a digital economy right now. And so some people are still able to work. She says, if that were not possible, these numbers would be so much worse. Now, she did point out that some of the industries that are growing the most are industries like hospitality. So those are industries that you need face-to-face interactions. But even those industries are able to uh, make some money by offering things like online ordering and curbside delivery because people are able to order their products online. Even those industries are able to make some money. And so that's a good thing. But she said, imagine how it would be if we did not have the technological capabilities that we have. These unprecedented unemployment numbers would have been even bigger. That was really crazy to me. And she also said that after all of this is over... The big thing that they think is going to happen, she says, economists have never looked at uh, healthcare as a factor in the health of the economy. And she says, now in a global pandemic like this, that's definitely going to be something that they're going to look at moving forward. Uh, that's never been a consideration. That's definitely going to be consideration moving forward. The health of a population, meaning the health of your workforce, is going to be a factor in how the how the economy fares. So, um, I, which is which was surprising that she. That that was never um, a consideration, but she says, you know, it's pretty obvious now and it's definitely um, something that people are going to be looking at and considering moving forward, Tom. So she was very interesting to me. I, I, I could... I could talk to her for a while. I probably will if this continues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you get her again, let me know and we'd be happy to have you guys back on the podcast. So uh, thank you so much for your time, Hadas. Absolutely. All right, cool. And here's Dr. Lim. I'm Diane Lim. I'm the Director of Outreach and Senior Advisor at the Penn Wharton Budget Model. So can you explain to just regular people that are not in this world what the numbers are and what they mean right now? Okay, so the statistic that came out today is the weekly initial unemployment claims number. It is a tally of how many people in the past week, and it was the week ending March 21st, so Saturday, the past Saturday, in that week, how many people filed for the first time for unemployment claims? I mean, not the first time in their life, but the first time in this bout of unemployment, right? That number for the longest time has always been around 200,000. Today in the national report, we learned that 3.3 million people filed for unemployment benefits just in the past week. That was just an off-the-charts number. We had never seen anything like it before. It was the, the highest level of weekly claims in the entire history of this series. So that's nationally. And the way that the Labor Department at the national level gets the national number is they get fed the data from the state unemployment offices. And Pennsylvania reported 378,908 new workers filing for unemployment benefits in the week that ended on March 21st. How many people generally 
filed for the first time for unemployment in Pennsylvania? Well, I can tell you that last week, the week prior, 15,439, it was 15,000 last week, which was already um, an elevated number from the prior week. And this week, it was um, 20 times that, more than 20 times that. What do you make of these numbers? I mean, like, just what is your initial reaction to this this crazy spike? Well, you know, we've never really lived through this kind of stoppage of work before. You know, we're likely heading into a recession, but unlike a typical economic recession that's caused by a lack of de- demand for goods and services so that you get kind of this slower increase in unemployment as more and more businesses can't get the volume of revenue that justifies them keeping workers on payroll. This is sort of, instead of that, they had plenty of demand up to the time the crisis happened. And then because so many businesses are being forced to close operations, this is kind of an unnatural, an economically unnatural at least, stoppage of work. And so it's a very sudden spike in unemployment It affects all kinds of businesses because a lot of people in our economy throughout the U.S. um, work in jobs where human contact is an essential part of the job. The leisure and hospitality industry had been one of the fastest growing sectors of employment in out of all the different things that our economy does. So all of those jobs are very much um, human contact jobs, right? When you go from an economy where those are the jobs that people are taking and those are most of the jobs that are growing in the economy to one where we are told we must intentionally put a pause on those jobs. Those people need to stay at home. That's why we're seeing this tremendous spike in the unemployment rolls. It's also why um, so much of this economic kind of emergency situation is not dependent on underlying conditions in the economy, but dependent on what's going on with the health crisis, the pandemic. I think this is unlike anything we've actually experienced before in that it's a health pandemic that is driving the timing of the withdrawal of uh, work. You know, I think that this is a very dramatic and sudden drop in um, in economic activity. Um, as soon as we're able to start bringing people back to work and opening up businesses and um, resuming face-to-face operations that some businesses rely on, we will see activity pick back up. There will be some loss of economic growth, no matter what. There will be lasting effects from even a relatively short-lasting but very deep downturn in employment and economic activity. Are you shocked by these numbers? What, like, as somebody that looks at numbers like these, are, is this surprising? Um, well, yes. None of us have, no, no economist has ever seen this in our lifetime in terms of the severity of unemployment. Um, But also, none of us are used to thinking about the connection between what's going on with public health, how crucial public health is to the continued functioning of our economy. So, yeah, it's uncharted territory, to be sure. Um, And I think economists will learn a lot 
after this episode about how integrated our public health, um, the kind of human capital aspect of our, our economy is so important to how much how healthy our economy is in terms of what we're producing, how fast we're growing, um, you know, how vibrant our economy is. I think it's going to get worse, the news, by the way, in terms of the labor market next week. Like we get a weekly initial unemployment claims report every week, and next week's report is likely to be worse than this week simply because not everyone has gotten around, has started filing for unemployment, also because a lot of workers who may be already adversely affected because their businesses have shut down a lot of their operations, some of those workers are continuing to work, but they have drastically reduced hours because they're relegated to sort of back room, packing things up for deliveries rather than people facing services. Their hours were cut, but they're not yet unemployed, so they're not going to show up on the unemployment rolls. Also, a lot of people would not have applied for unemployment yet through last week because without the bill that was just passed in the Senate, many workers do not qualify, are not entitled to apply for unemployment benefits because they are contractors. You know, they work gig jobs. One thing that this bill that passed will do is expand who is qualified, who is entitled to apply for unemployment benefits. Independent contractors or so-called gig workers will be entitled to apply for unemployment benefits. And a lot of people were probably simply holding on to their jobs and asking their employer to not fire them, to not lay them off completely yet, because they'd rather get the um, few hours that they can from their employer now. And now that it's clear that unemployment benefits are, are going to be pretty generous, they may be more inclined to ask their employer to outright lay them off now so that they can collect unemployment, which will leave them better off than working reduced hours. So over the next couple of weeks, we can expect these numbers to climb. Yes. So right now, the national unemployment rate will have gone up from, it was at 3.5% in February, meaning that 3.5% of people who are in the labor force, which means either working or unemployed and looking for work, only 3.5% of that labor force population was reported to be unemployed. But we just added over the past three weeks, we added let's see, 3.3 million this week. And we added another like 500,000 for the previous two weeks. So we added to the total number of the unemployed, it's now up to nine and a half million, almost 10 million unemployed. And if you divide that by the labor force, size of labor force, we're now up to 5.8% unemployment, just based on the unemployment claims data, by the way. So the true unemployment rate is probably going to be higher than that because, as I said, that's just people that can claim benefits and have already claimed benefits. That is expected to continue to rise, and some people are worried, some economists worry that that unemployment rate, which at 6% is the highest it's been since 2014, is um, likely to surpass the unemployment rate at the depth of the Great Recession, which was close to, which was around 10% of the labor force. Some are even saying it could get as high at the worst part of this coronavirus crisis as 20% of the labor force in the United States um, being unemployed for at least a little bit. 
Um, so all we can do is kind of sit tight and, and, and brace ourselves for worse news in the coming weeks, but also um, realize that this is, we can't really compare this to the Great Recession or even the Depression because coming out of this is going to look very different from the slow slog that is usually true when you, you know, have a slow, prolonged recovery, which is what we've been in essentially since the Great Recession already. It was a very slow but steady recovery. The recovery is likely to be much quicker this time around. Even if we don't get back, it's not like we're going to be able to say, oh, things are just back where where we would have been. That's not going to be true, but it'll be back pretty close to where we would have been in a few months, hopefully. Okay, so you're saying that it's a quick drop-off, but you expect once coronavirus passes, it, it should recover fairly quickly? Yes. I mean, like once people can get back to work, and if the $2.2 trillion bill has kept people whole in, t- in terms of um, allowing people to keep up their rent payments, their mortgage payments, their food budgets, you know, they're still consuming necessities during this time that we're, we have to socially distance from each other. As long as we're able to keep up essential consumption and we're able to um, control the health pandemic and able to start figuring out who is safe to start going back to work at that point, And that's a question mark right now. How fast would that be? I don't know. That's something the public health experts are working on. But as soon as it's safe to socially interact again, to be in crowds again, a lot of businesses can start back up again. And they will not have destroyed and permanently shut down and, you know, gone out of business. So hopefully their workers are still waiting from home, you know, to come back to work. Their restaurants are closed right now, but they're not tearing them down. So once it's safe for people to go back out in public, a lot of these businesses that are now closed can open back up. And it's not like rebuilding from scratch, right? So it's um, likely to be much faster than your traditional recovery, economic recovery from a traditionally economically induced recession, because this is a public health induced, a pandemic induced recession. There have been pandemics in history. But is it because we're more technologically connected? Yes, because can you imagine how much economic activity is still actually going on because some of us are lucky enough to be able to continue to do our work without leaving home? That's definitely true, that in this modern age, we are more adaptable because of technology. You know, even the restaurant industry, they're able to adapt because they can take online orders and have people pick it up from outside the restaurant or have it delivered, right? So if it weren't for our connectivity, like we can still be very socially connected, even if we're not physically right connected. And that definitely helps. So it definitely means that even a pandemically induced economic downturn, we're able to weather it better now because of technology than if we didn't have it, certainly. So as bad as it is, it could have been worse. Yeah, we're really lucky we have the technology. You know, I think it's going to actually force um, some, um, it's forcing all of us to kind of innovate 
in our own little worlds, wherever we, whatever kind of work we do, right? Everyone is having to be innovative. The restaurants are figuring out how to continue to make food for people without having that human contact. Um, you know, uh, people are, um, the universities are being forced to try to, to learn how to educate their students online versus in person. Um, all of these things will be good. I mean, we wish we didn't have to have these crash courses in learning how to do things online. But, you know, this will help us in the future. Like, you know, it's forcing us to think more creatively about ways to continue to function um, in our roles in the economy um, without face-to-face interaction. And so I think that eventually there's the silver lining will be that when we recover from this episode um, and we're thinking about ways to improve and strengthen our economy going forward, we will have, you know, a better set of tools and experiences um, to make our long-term economic success um, probably even brighter now. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. If you want to listen to more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you just want to know how the news that you see on TV or hear on the radio will affect you personally, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Just search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickard, and we'll have another episode out soon. 